Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. Today's all about the players. The players have gone out and performed ever so well. There's a saying in life, inch perfect. I thought we were an inch away from being perfect today. You need a goal, you know, because once you get a goal, you know that the opposition are you know, going to have to open up. And we just never got that goal we needed and it's just pretty frustrating for us. Football show with the Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, Barry Ferguson, and Mark Weedy. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 1717 700. Let's go! It's the only show in town. No, not COP26. I'm talking climate change in the Premiership. Celtic had built up ahead of steam in the last month or so, and there was lots of talk about a shift in the balance of power, but Rangers were blowing hot yesterday. Six goals at Motherwell, and suddenly it seemed, Barry Ferguson, back to their best. Yeah, I thought they were excellent after going that goal down, Rob. Um, you're sitting back and thinking, right, what are Rangers made of? Um, but I thought... I thought they were fantastic. Waves of attack constantly. They were a, a real threat and um, some great goals. James Tavernier's goal, um, I've got to be honest with you, was a, a fantastic strike. But second half, um, they absolute battered um, Muddle and they looked back to the way they played last year. Um, and they've sent a message out now. That's that's clear and simple that um, they're not going to lie down. Um, they've come in for a bit of flack over the last um, few weeks and rightly so because the results have not been good enough but I thought yesterday's performance was more like them. And from what I saw yesterday it looked as if you were firing on all cylinders as well to be honest we'll maybe get into a little bit of that later on as well. Uh, four point lead. <laughs> oh, that's quite a cliffhanger, that one. Uh, four point lead it is for Rangers at the top of the Premiership. Legal actions could be flying back and forth here. Um, so the Scotland squad is named tomorrow on the international front. Uh, that game in Moldova <clears throat> is fast appearing over the horizon. The home game against Denmark. But of course, it's the one against Moldova immediately we're concerned about uh, because Scotland could seal their place in the World Cup qualification playoffs uh, with a win in that one, uh, Mark Guidi. The big question is, who's going to replace suspended goal machine Lyndon Dykes? Well, there's only one man who can do that, uh, Rob. He's already in the squad. He's already shown that he's he's capable, and that's Che Adams at Southampton. Scored the winning goal against Watford at the weekend, scored against Chelsea uh, last midweek in the, uh, the League Cup. So Che Adams is definitely the man we seem to perform better when we've got a front two. I like Adams and uh, Dykes together. Now, obviously, that can't happen because Dykes is suspended. So the question for Steve Clark is, does he go with a two? And will it be Nisbet or will it be Christie or, or Fraser or will he do something like that? Or will he go with somebody just lying off him and just use Adams um, as a one on his own? That's something that, uh, that Steve Clark will assess when the squad get together on Monday morning. His decision will also be based on the um, the strengths and weaknesses in the Moldovan team, but 100% Shea Adams will start. 
I wonder if there'll be an eyebrow raiser, though, in terms of squad. Maybe not going to be in the team in Moldova, Barry. Um, but I wonder whether uh, one of the guys being spoken about, like Sir Johnny Russell, who's been scoring a lot of goals in the MLS, um, Tony Watt, who's been in great form for Motherwell, and Ross Stewart, um, 10 goals in 17 games so far this season for Sunderland. Yeah, he's had a, a great start to the season. Um, I always liked him if I'm being honest Robert Ross County um, mm. I thought he was um, he'd done excellent for Ross County and he, he's in me a shout but I, I think if you're going to ask me or you're going to press me on who do I think will get in I think Tony Watt I think he's been excellent for Muddle this season um, I think he's got a, a team that suits him he's settled down because um, Tony's had a lot of moves over the last four or five years he looks really fit he's scoring goals so for me I think Tony Watt will come into the squad but in terms of the game no doubt Shea Adams will start up top and I think Ryan Christie and John McGinn will play off him with Billy Gilmer and Callum McGregor behind him. What's not great, Mark, is that uh, Billy Gilmore isn't getting game time at the moment with Norwich. Kenny McLean uh, is arguably keeping him out of the team. Um, strange situation, isn't it? Norwich are struggling. You'd think a Billy Gilmore and his passing ability on the pitch would really be helping them. Yeah, I do find it strange. I watched Norwich against Leeds yesterday. Um, Rob, Norwich were, were, were okay, but they lost again, bottom line. I think two points, bottom of the league, still mm. without uh, a win. Now, if they were doing well, you can understand why Daniel Farca wouldn't be playing Billy Gilmore. I find it strange because Farca and Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea, have got a relationship, and that's why he was sent to Norwich. Um, but clearly it's not in the contract that, uh, that Billy Gilmore has to play every week. So I don't know where it stands. Is it per season or per calendar year where you um, you can only play for two or three clubs? So that's something that need to be looked into. But if you're Billy Gilmore uh, and you're Chelsea, then um, unless things change dramatically, he's got to be look, looking to to move on again in January. He can't stay there and uh, and not get game time. First of all, he's far too good a player to be sitting the sideline side with a great suspect in Norwich City. He should be playing. So he got to go and get game time somewhere else. Could that be Rangers in January, Barry? Yeah, well, I don't see why not. I'm, I'm sure Rangers would be interested in him. It is worrying. Um, you know what I think of Billy Gilmore, Rob? Mm. I think he's a fantastic young footballer. I tuned in yesterday actually into the game to watch it and I was disappointed that um, Billy wasn't playing. Um, I think that's the type of game that would suit him. So I'm sure Billy's frustrated, but also Chelsea. That's the reason why they sent him out to get more game time. And that's not been happening over the last three or four weeks uh, and more importantly we need him for the national team yeah. how he's performed for us he's been one of the star performers alongside Callum McGregor so that could work potentially for all three parties Chelsea obviously want him playing they don't want him sitting on the bench at Norwich um, it could help Rangers in the second half of the season and obviously Billy Gilmore wants to play he, he wants to play as many games as possible in fact maybe four parties because Stevie Clark would be would be better pleased as well yeah, it'll be a worry for Steve Clark. He he wants his best players playing week in, week out. Make sure they're sharp. Because listen, no doubt about it, the Moldova game is massive for us. And Billy Gilmore, as a Scotland player, is massive for us. Um, so listen, we just need to see what happens over the, the coming month or two um, with Billy. But I'm sure Billy will want to play. And there'll be, there'll be other clubs desperate to take him because he's a fantastic footballer. I noticed uh, today the uh, funeral arrangements were being announced uh, for uh, the Walter after Walter Smith's sad passing. A public memorial service to be held on the nineteenth of November. Um, 
and there will just there will be a private uh, private ceremony as well as we continue to mourn Walter's passing um, and celebrate his amazing uh, life, not just in football, uh, but of course the fantastic person he was as well. And I know that Barry, you uh, and some ex Rangers players yesterday were were paying tribute and, and raising a glass to to Walter in, in a bar in Glasgow. Yeah, a, a few, um, a few jars, Rob. Um, had a few sherbets yesterday, um, celebrating what a fantastic manager Walter was. It was good to see the guys. Hadn't seen them in a long time, obviously due to due to COVID. Um, so went in the town and we had a good, um, good chat about them. Just uh, people telling different stories. Who um, was so, all there? Uh, there was a few. There was Mark Kately, Andy Gorham, Charlie, uh, Charlie Muller, Craig Moore, Bob Malcolm, um, and. It was organised late, so quite a few people uh, couldn't make it. So I'm sure in the next month or, or two, uh, we'll have another day out and make sure everybody can get there because he meant so much to a lot of people, mm. Rob. Um, as I said last week in the show, he was a big part of my career in terms of the start of it. He gave me my, my senior debut in the first team and it was good just to hear um, different guys yesterday talk about what, what they thought of him. So, no, it was good to get out and, and have a few beers and and celebrate Walter um, has been a top manager. And he would certainly have appreciated that Rangers performance uh, yesterday, 6-1 against Motherwell at Fir Park. And as Barry said right at the top of the show, uh, uh, Stephen Gerrard and his team certainly issuing a statement um, about where they plan to go from here on in the season. Right, it's Mark Guidi and it's Barry Ferguson and it's Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre on a Monday. And we've got Hugh and Lanark as well. Hi, Hugh. Hi, evening, guys. How are we? Yeah, well, Thank thanks. What would you uh, like to say here? I, I well, I, I do come on and talk about my all the time, whether we're good, whether we're bad. Um, yesterday, um, everybody in the stands, when they looked, looked at the team selection, was astonished, first of all. Um, down to Sean Goss, who's played the last five games, who's really not kicked the ball for us. Now, he was brought in as a playmaker, as a passer, as meant to be this player, player that we've got. He's done nothing. He was like, I, I've noticed that he's like a lost boy in the headlights out there. Like a wee rabbit. He do, he's a schoolboy. He chases it. Just, Stephen O'Donnell's not done it for a good few weeks now. He's kept in there whether because Alexander's want to keep the same team. His team selection yesterday played into Rangers. And this is, I'm not taking anything away for Rangers because there was a few things that happened in the game as well. I mean, you could really analyse it and go down and say two of their goals possibly could have been offside um, and one of them could have been obstructing the keeper. I don't care about that. It wasn't given. We've got to look at our performance and how we set up. Our tactics were wrong yesterday. We play a 4-3-3 system that we have the players who are not good enough to play a 4-3-3. We, we just don't do it. Look, uh, Sean Goss doesn't help McGinley, so McGinley gets left out on his own. Barry, what did you make of the Motherwall performance? Because they, they, they got sorry, sorry, we just lost lost your phone line there. Just oh, going to bring it. Just going to yeah. get Barry in here because obviously um, you watched the game. I was at the yeah. game yesterday as well, and uh, Motherwell got off to that ideal start, didn't they? It was a great finish from Bevis Mugabe, um, but they were hanging on in there, weren't they, for quite a while before Rangers eventually found a way through. They were, and I was surprised. I expected after Motherwell got the goal um, to kick on, and they didn't. Um, and it's very unlike um, Motherwell. Um, previous where I've been um, impressed with them they just weren't at it yesterday they couldn't they couldn't get near Rangers um, it was like as I said at the start of the show it was like waves of attack and something had to change 
and I was expecting changes to be made. Maybe the manager making changes at half time. Maybe that change of shape, change of personnel. It didn't happen and, and it just continued in the second half. And to be quite honest with you, six one, I think Mano got away with one. Mm. I think Rangers every time they went forward looked like they could score. Is it a worrying trend for Graham Alexander, Mark Guidi, that uh, they had that great start? The first seven league games, they got 14 points. They've only got one since. That's in five games. The, they've lost four out of their last five. Yeah. Um, it, it's, that's not a great graph, is it? No, they, they need to arrest that uh, slide, um, Rob, and, and they'll look to do it um, at the weekend. But what you find is, you look at, and, and you will know this, you look at the, the history of the SPFL, out with Celtic and Rangers um, teams and, and including Aberdeen when they were doing ever so well under Derek McInnes teams will go on runs where they'll maybe only pick up one or two points out of 12 they might go seven games without a win so you look at them all it happens look at Hibs now four games without a win so look at Ross County look at you know look Aber- at what Aberdeen went 10 without a win didn't yeah. they so you look at it it's to be expected now I'm not saying that doesn't make it less frustrating less annoying and you, and you start putting the manager and his selection and his formation, his tactics under the microscope as, as Hugh is doing just now. But you need to accept that's what happens um, with managers and players. At times they go on a run, they can't get out of it and eventually they do get out of it because Motherwell won't become detached. Motherwell, for me, won't be in the, the bottom two. They'll be fine. But that doesn't mean to say they shouldn't be pushing towards the top six and really challenging you know, from from third place down, you know, challenging hearts and look at what the United have, have managed to do. So they need to get out of the slump the, as quickly um, as they can. And I just think, like, it was a real blow, not taking away the quality of the finishes from Rangers, particularly um, in the first half. But if you're analysing it defensively, Stephen O'Donnell and Beavis McGavey, there's got to be a better line of communication. There's got to be more responsibility taken at Fashion Sakala's um, head. I mean, that is schoolboy defending that kind of thing albeit Sakala's finish was very good when I first saw it I thought Liam Kelly should be saving it I'm thinking you know it's maybe going a yard to his left albeit six seven yards out the header looking at the replays I thought it was a really good header um, but yeah Motherwell need to find a way to start winning games again Rob and start doing it soon I, I, I just think it was a bad day at the office I, I look at Motherwell their, their team the guys that started the game and the squad that he's got I don't think there's anything to worry about for, for Mother. I just think they caught Rangers on a, a, a good day as well. Um, that's the best I've seen Rangers all season, Rob. Mm, yeah. um, but I don't know if you agree with me. I do think Mother have, have still got a, a good enough squad. I don't think they'll, they'll get um, brought into the relegation battle. I, I think they've got good enough players um, to try and charge into that, that top six. Whether that happens or not, we just need to wait and see. But I do think, I look at Mother, I think they've got good players. I just think it was a bad day yesterday for them. Can you look at the big picture here, Hugh, and think about uh, overall after 12 games it's been a pretty positive start or are you a bit concerned about the downturn? I'm not concerned. What I'm concerned about is, is obviously Mark was saying there about the defensive between McGabe and O'Donnell. Now, O'Donnell's been doing that for weeks now. O'Donnell's standing looking at Sakala running in there. Now, he's got two options. He either shouts to McGabe to turn round because McGabby's watching the ball. He doesn't know who's behind him. And probably McGabby could have obviously turned his head. But Stephen O'Donnell's a captain. He should be there. Taking control of that situation. Either charging in to stop that. You can't take nothing away from the header. It was a bullet header. I sit directly behind where that header went in. So it was some header he put in. Yeah. Um, but he's got to take charge of that situation now. He's on a yellow card. 
And for me, the manager's got to make that decision at half time to say, we can't risk you. Because as Barry says, it was just wave after wave of attack. And any time they've gone up, I say to my, my friend at half time, I says, this score will end up whatever Rangers want it to end up. I goes and take five or six for a start. I goes, because I could have easily finished up the double figures easily. Now, managers got to take responsibility for not bringing O'Donnell off and putting Grimshaw on at half time to take that out of the equation. But he didn't. It was always going to happen. But would you not work on the basis that Stephen O'Donnell is a really experienced international footballer and if anyone can cope with a yellow card against him, then, then you would hope he could. The Motherwell captain as well. Well, yeah, understand. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's not doing his captain's duties now. For me, I go and look at his first yellow card and I think I think it was on Sakala, actually. I think he's about 40 yards away from goals. Yeah, was, Why yeah. is he pulling his jersey 40 yards away from goals? Just let him go because surely defenders are in front of you should be de- now dealing with that don't pull it because you know for a fact as soon as you pull a jersey it's a straightly yellow card it doesn't matter where you are in the park it's a yellow card so he's put himself in a position that he's took a bad touch in the ball and he's got that in the, and he's now got himself out of it with a yellow card the challenge he makes in the second half to get a second yellow card some of the guys saying it's not a yellow card yes it is he's on the floor and he's brought the player down it doesn't matter the, the guys know they're special Barry as soon as you go to the floor and you bring a player down, it's a yellow card and it's a free kick. I don't care. And it was certainly a bit. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a big moment in the match, wasn't it? Because, because you know, yes, I mean, Rangers were going were to win the game anyway. But, but you know, but even, even with 11, it was a struggle for Motherwell. The way football is now, see if you get booked, you can't tackle. You, you can't. You've just got to stand. Um, and if a player does go past you, you've got to then hope that your teammate will get you out the mire. Um, so he'll be disappointed. I think if you ask Stephen O'Donnell, with the experience that he's got, he's an international player. He doesn't need to dive in there. And then he puts his teammates um, into the last, what was it, 25 minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, where it was, uh, again, as, as you mentioned there, it could have been, it could have been anything. Um, it could have been seven, eight, uh, if Rangers were more ruthless. Um, but if you ask Stephen O'Donnell, I think he'll be disappointed. Yeah. Because nowadays, when you're on a booking, you can't get near a player. It was a bad day at the office for Motherwell. Uh, thanks, you for your call. Um, but it was a great day for Rangers. Uh, shades of uh, the sort of performances they were turning in last season on the way to a 25-point winning margin uh, as they won the title last season. A four-point lead they have at the moment at the top of the Premiership. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! Cheers Chris, your latest traffic and travel update. More in about 20 minutes time. Uh, talking about that uh, 6-1 win for Rangers at Motherwell yesterday. We're also going to be talking, of course, about Celtic nil, Livingston nil on Saturday and what a chance Celtic had uh, to finally break down Livy close to the end of that match uh, Georgius Jakimakis not able to do the business uh, from the spot strike made the save and it was a goalless draw for Celtic and I think it brought to an end that was five straight wins wasn't it for Celtic uh, heading up to that point so disappointing Rangers cashed in yesterday and they've opened up now a four point lead at the top of the table. Barry Ferguson, Mark Guidi, Rob McLean on the show tonight. And uh, we've got John with us as well. John's a, a Celtic fan. Hi, John. Good evening, panel. How are we? We're uh, well, I think. Uh, can I speak for both of you? We're well? Aye. Yes, said all a, good. Said a, said decent, a spokesman. Yeah. All decent. 
Um, what would you like to say, John? Uh, I, do you know, I, I just like to say, um, you know, the game against Livingston, uh, I, think, I think I'd like to kind of take things in context with the Celtic game. Um, I think if you look at Celtic and the performance against Livingston versus the four, four or five performances prior to that, um, you can see that, you know, the, the, the kind of absence of Tom Rogic, you know, it's, it's apparent. Uh, do you guys think that, that, you know, as of January, when the transfer window opens, there'll be another Tom Rogic-esque kind of guy coming in? Um, it depends on the what kind of transfer value um, they're placed in players' um, heads. Uh, John, I think Tom Rogic is, is good, but the Celtic... Is that a key position for them to fill? That they've got Turnbull, they've potentially got you know they've got Forrest um, back into it. Um, I know they did try and keep Ryan Christie, made him a good contract offer, but he decided to go. Um, look, if somebody becomes available, then and Ange Postecoglou thinks he's going to enhance the team, then I'm sure he'll go for it. But do I think it's a a key position, like a title-winning position? No, I don't. Me, in, in terms of my opinion, I think Rogic is an excellent player. I think when you get him up and running and he gets games under his belt and he continually plays consistently, I think he's a, a top player. Look, I thought against um, Hibs, albeit it was on the, the highlights, I'm sure John will um, agree with me here. I thought he was a top man. Yeah. Um, I thought certainly the first half. Uh, he has been terrific hasn't he he has he's got everything and I'll be honest with you if I'm opposition manager or an opposition player and you see Tom Rogic and the Celtic starting 11 and he's on it you know you're in for a game Rob I'll I'll be honest with you so I I can see he's a a big miss is that somewhere that uh, Postacoglu will look and go and strengthen I think he's got players in that area but I don't think they're as good as Rogic when he's when he's on his game so he's he's a big miss for Celtic there's no doubt about that and it's difficult, uh, John, to get somebody, especially probably in the January market, that, that does what Tom Rogic does because he, he, he's quite a, an individual type of player in terms of his strength. He's certainly a player that can dribble exceptionally well. Um, I mean, if you look at that game against Hibs, I thought that was that made a real difference in the game. You know, getting three early goals and Tom Rogic causing a lot of problems with his dribbling. Um you know, I don't think, I mean, David Turnbull's good, but I don't think Celtic have got that kind of player that can take it past players like the way Tom Rogic does. Um, I think James Forrest takes a kind of wider touch. I think Turnbull takes kind of maybe one too many touches. Uh, but certainly, you know, a, a close close contact dribbler, that's what we're looking for. Um, but I just, I just kind of want to ask you guys uh, with regards to um, Kyogo, um, and obviously Giamakis, do you think Kyogo should now be playing down the down the middle? I mean, at, basically for the rest of the season. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think you can ever leave your best player out the, the starting eleven. I think Kyogo is Celtic's best player at this moment in time. And and look, I, I can see managers and they'll go and on the other side, Rangers, I spoke about it last week, Rob. Mm-hmm. I don't think Stephen Gerrard can leave Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor out. I think they're too important. They're too big uh, a players. And I think the same way Kyogo, I think if Celtic leave him out, I'm sure David Martindale, the Livingston manager, would have looked at that team sheet when it came in at, at two o'clock and was absolutely delighted. Because he's a top player, Kyogo. He's proved it since he's been here. Um, his movement's excellent. He's a goal scorer. He works hard for the team. Um, so I, I don't think Celtic can leave him out. He's that important to him. 
do you just decide that uh, because of the impact Kyogo's made, Mark, that that if he's fit and available, he just plays, but he and he plays in that central position rather than being shunted out wide if you're going to put him and Giacomakis in the same team. Yeah, I can understand why on Saturday when we've all got the benefit of hindsight that, that Celtic didn't win the game and Giacomakis missed a penalty, but I was at Celtic Park the previous week against St. Johnson when it worked fine. I was very impressed with Giacomakis. He scored a good goal. He looked apart. So I totally understand why Ange Postacoglu decided to go with that again. Um, bearing in mind that he had Kyogo through the middle against Hibs the previous midweek he was freshening it up he's trying to get Jackie Marcus game time you know if anything does happen to Kyogo that, that Jackie Marcus is in some kind of rhythm um, but it's maybe something that the manager will need to reassess as in between now I know we're currently a, a, an international break at the weekend but uh, certainly for the, the game on uh, at, the week, at the weekend Celtic are away to where are they? Can't remember off the top of my head. Where are they, John? John, or no? On Sunday. Dundee. Dundee. Dundee Den yeah, Park. so it's Celtic at Den, Den's part. But the manager, when we need to say to himself, from now until the winter break, we're four points behind Rangers. Um, we don't want to be any further than that. So I need to play my, my best players. And if it's a wee bit demanding in terms of League Cup semi final coming up, there's more European games. The Celtic get a positive result on Thursday night uh, in Hungary, and then it keeps them right uh, in the hunt to, to stay in Europe after Christmas whether that's in the uh, the Europa League or in the Conference uh, League is, is to be decided. But go with your main striker uh, and then if you can get the game won or be in a, in a comfortable position after an hour or so, bring Jackie Marcus on or try the two of them together. I don't know, come up with something. But I don't think now uh, the manager can gamble because for me, Rangers turned a corner yesterday. I think Rangers will find a rhythm now. They might take a bit of stopping. So therefore Celtic can't afford to gamble not when you're already four points behind. I, I know these players play a lot of football in terms of Celtic and Rangers. They play Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. Wrap them in cotton meal, your best players. They don't need to go out and train. Let them go and get a massage. Um, they're not going to lose any fitness because of the, the three games in a week. And I, I, I said the same, I'll go back to it. Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor, they weren't the match winners yesterday, but they're so important to that Rangers team. And so is Kyogo, he's the same. It would have been six wins out of six for Celtic had that penalty gone in late on. And Ange Postacoglu was uh, afterwards taking responsibility. My decision, it's on me. I, uh, I chose uh, Jack Marcus for the penalty. It's part of football. It's um, Now that's a position he plays where goal scorers get all the, the limelight as well. So I'm sure he understands that. But he's, that's OK. I'm sure he'll dust himself off and overcome the disappointment and, and bounce back. How big a blow was that, John, that, that missed penalty? Because it was a frustrating game, wasn't it? There were chances in the game for Celtic and that was one massive opportunity. It was a pretty tame effort, wasn't it? Max Strike made the save, but it, uh, it didn't look a penalty uh, full of conviction from Giacomakis. It certainly was. Um, you know, it, it was a gift for Celtic to get that right at the, right at the crucial moment, um, particularly when we're having a kind of off afternoon. Uh, you know, it's probably a question for Barry Ferguson. Do you, do you tell your players to stick your laces through, or do you tell players to place it? What's what's his kind of uh, obviously penalty guide? Uh, what's what's the best possible penalty guide uh, in his experience? I, I was just surprised that he, he took it. I know Postacoglu says that it was his decision, but Juranovic has um, hit the last two penalties and, and looked really good as well. And there've been two very good penalties. Uh, so it was a strange decision, but in terms of that last minute, for me, you've got to put it with power and pace. There's no doubt about it. He's no, 
he's not hit it well. I can understand why he's maybe warned him to go and take a penalty, get a bit of confidence or whatever, but your penalty taker, if you scored two out of two, and as I said, Rob, the two penalties have been decent penalties. Um, I was surprised that Gio Marcus um, did take it, but look, the manager's admitted before every game you go out, that's what it says in the dressing room, who's taking the penalty. Um, and I'm sure maybe some of the Celtic players were maybe surprised at that for me. And I was surprised that Gio Marcus did take it. But for me, last minute of the game, put your laces through it, make sure you're, you're hitting it with pace at the target. I think I'd agree, uh, John, I agree with, with Barry, put your laces through it. That said, if you're the manager, you can't tell a player how to take a penalty. Mm. You can tell them to take the penalty, but you can't tell them how to no. take it. Because everybody's different. And part you of know, it is variety so, as well. Yeah, so it? listen, it's not, um, you know, it's not Ange Postacoglu's fault that Giamakis missed the penalty. He decided to side for it. It was a wee bit lax. Fair play to the goal. I think any save from a penalty is a good save. So fair play to, to Strijek for making the save. But just to go back to the point, you can't tell a player how to take a penalty. That's just, for me, that's ridiculous. You can't dictate how you take a penalty kick you've got to if you believe in the player to take one you've got to believe in how he wants to take it and by the way how you might take a penalty tonight might be totally different yeah, how you might take it the following saying. day you know what I mean you might you might blast it he mm -hmm. might blast his next one he might place it at the goalie's left so you can't dictate how he takes it for me that's madness I, I was a penalty taker and I, I did change the way he taking it whoever I was coming up against yep. you would study the goalkeeper in terms of what what kind of goalkeeper he is what size he is has he, has he got a big presence is he a smaller goalkeeper um, but I tend to just go and pick a corner and, and go with it at pace um, yeah, because I did you... miss a couple as well I missed two in one game <laughs> believe it or not Dens Park at Dens Park yeah and we got a third penalty I think I remember and that yeah. I remember the guys turning around to me and looking at me and I was like there's no way I'm taking this <laughs> and it was Mikel Arteta I went up and right. took it because what you what you can't afford to be as a penalty taker is, is predictable. Because even though you even though you you know you you blast it to one side, if you keep on doing the same thing, sooner or sooner or later a goalkeeper. Well, I blasted day two, and ah. I hit the bar, and I caught the second one brilliantly. And Spironi, remember Spironi? Aye, the aye, Julian Spironi, who's a brilliant goal. I'll say that he's a brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> he what, made, the, the wee man? He made a brilliant uh, save. Uh, um, he was great at actually, Crystal Palace. He wasn't up to much at the knee, but he was great at Crystal Palace. But actually, Palace. struck it really well the second one. And it was in the corner, and he and he got to it. Um, so I think we'll get the video looked out, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll. No wonder Ronald De Boer was raging. That's. His... <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have a closer look at those penalties. And then I never took another penalty after that until right, Fiorentina in the right. semi-final, and I missed that. The right, first right. one, remember the huh? penalty kicks? Huh? I've not missed that first right. one, and I, I I remember just walking back, and you know, the guys are all standing in line at the halfway line, and I could just see that the raging disappointment <laughs> in me but thankfully Fiorentina missed two penalties so we, we went through John are you able to wipe away the disappointment of that missed penalty or saved penalty on Saturday and look at the big picture currently and think that that's been a pretty good run of results run of performances as well including um, that emphatic win against Ferenc Varos in Europe um, and a, a real climb up the table in terms of premiership results as well uh, yes Yes, completely. Uh, I think you you cannot you have to look at it in the context of a good run of games. Um, you know, and I think Celtic. You know, what was the percentage of possession? Yeah, eighty five percent. So uh, you know, that, I mean, you you look at that. Um, we we just need to um keep keep going the way we're playing. Um, but 
we obviously need to um, try and figure out ways of uh, beating teams and uh, you know beating teams like Livingston. Uh, I think forever Livingston will forever be Celtic's bogey team, uh, but. Um, you know, everybody's got kind of those teams. Um, every club has those teams that just can't beat. And it's Livingston's, you know, obviously Celtics and Livingston's going to be the, the tough one. But, you know, I think Celtic, and if you look at the context of the league, you know, um, I think I think it's not a bad thing for Celtic. I think Celtic's in a good rebuild. I think they're in a position where we've got good players. Um, you know, we've got a January transfer window. But, you know, if, if you do look at the kind of bigger picture, Rangers are well organised, uh, and you know Rangers have won the league this year, and uh, you know it's it's going to be tricky. But I do think Celtic's style of play, I think, definitely suits um, suits the fans and suits the kind of entertainment value. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting, but um, we're not disheartened. I don't think. I think we kind of look at it in a positive aspect. Do you think that Saturday result at Celtic Park, Barry? had a knock-on effect psychologically for Rangers on Sunday because they were still top of the league and it was all about trying to extend it to four rather than trying to dislodge Celtic from the top where they would have been had they won. Well, there's no doubt they would have been looking at the result. Um, that, that's, I don't care what any football player says. Um, you look at your closest rivals, you see Celtic have dropped two points um, and then you, listen, it's on you. And the Sunday, you have to go out and make sure. Whoever you get that, just make sure you get the three points. But the good thing from Rangers' side is it wasn't just three points. It was a very good performance, very much back to the way we, we fully expected them to it'd be all season. Um, but see, in terms of this league, I think you're going to see points drop throughout the yeah. season. That It's a crazy league. You just don't go on Celtic and Rangers results. You look at Dundee getting battered 5-0 mm-hmm. um, during the week, going down to St Martin losing 1-0. Um, but there's going to be points dropped and we spoke about it last week yep. me and Mark both Rangers and Celtic are, are drop points throughout the season I think what is it 114 is a match you can get to if you if you won every game 38 games at 3 points mm. is that right 114 I'm believing you anyway um, and there's been a couple of times in the past few years Celtic and Rangers have both gone through the 100 mm-hmm. points but I don't think the title winner of 90 points I think it'll be sub 90 that'll win the, for exactly the points um, that, that, that we're making I think it'll be sub 90 that'll be the title winners Rob John, thanks for your call. Take care, guys. Cheers, John. All the best. Cheers. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat, and more. Let's go. A lovely man. Oh, God, he's brilliant. Great company seeing the trips. Ah, we could talk all night, couldn't we? That's just back on air, by the way, just in case there was any doubt about it. Uh, And if you're listening, uh, you could have heard just about absolutely anything there. But um, back to business, fully professional. uh, The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre, Barry Ferguson, Mark Guidi and Rob McLean on a Monday. Looking back on the weekend... Fashion show, fashion statement, the Rangers fans, dedicated followers of fashion, all those and other headlines uh, are being rhymed off. Did you get that in your... I noticed Ian Crocker got it in, in yeah. Sky yesterday. Did you get that in, Rob? He, in I, I, did a, I, I did a fashion statement. I think I think Crocs did a fashion show, didn't he? He did a dedicated follower of fashion. Oh, did he do that he one did, as well, yeah, right? He did. He That's did. probably his yeah. era. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a big win for Rangers. Uh, and it was a statement, wasn't it? Uh, whether it was fashion or otherwise. But uh, Fashion Sakala, who was a 
course, on this show uh, when he just signed for Rangers. Lovely guy, fantastic story as well. And uh, a hat trick for him yesterday. And he really announced his arrival, didn't he, Mark, yesterday as a Rangers player? We did, you know, when I was watching the game yesterday, Rob, that's exactly what came into my mind. It was you and I that were on. Yes. And uh, we were we were fortunate enough to interview Fashion Sakala. And that's the thing that we both said. What a lovely boy. First and foremost, don't like he's going to be as a player. But as a boy, you could tell, you know, from his upbringing, he's got that work ethic. He's had to, you know, go through, jump lots of hurdles, through lots of barriers to get to where he's at. Playing football in Belgium, then getting the move to Rangers, and you could tell he was so appreciative. So you knew, first of all, he's got a chance of making it because he's willing to go and work hard. He's he's willing to go and want to learn. And for me, the key statement um, before the game on on, uh, yesterday, when Stephen Gerrard was being interviewed and he was asked why he's Sakala and why is Ruth not playing or why is Hadji not playing or whatever and he said I've noticed something in him and his pace and energy we feel is going to cause Motherwell problems and that was before the game that wasn't mm. with the benefit of hindsight and he lived up to it and what I liked most about Fashion Sakala that I think Rangers have been needing and Barry and I have discussed it many times on here is Rangers needed a spark something to light them up I think he brought that to them yesterday mm. and just his, his body language his smile his enthusiasm and I think it gave the Rangers supporters a spark mm-hmm. as well yesterday and that's why I think that um, that result and that performance and just that wee something different from Fashion Sakala is going to prove to be a turning point for me I don't think they're going to sweep all before them mm. and they're going, but it did feel I think like that, that, yeah. that'll give them a real bit of confidence because he's provided something different from the norm as to what they've been missing this season Yeah, he's shown glimpses obviously he's got raw pace there's, there's no doubt about it Seen him play through the middle. Obviously, Steven Gerrard played him on the left-hand side. Uh, and I've got to be honest with you, I was, I was really impressed with him. Um, obviously, got his hat-trick. But that's what he, he brings to the Rangers team. He was enthusiastic. He looked full of energy. And I think that's the the spark that Mark's just mentioned there, that Rangers have needed. Um, and it was it was probably a surprise when the team came out. A lot of people would be expecting Rutherford Hadji mm-hmm. to play. But obviously, Sakala's been working hard in training. The manager saying he's seen a difference in the last 10 days because he's not seen his family. I think some of his family are over, so he's became more settled now. Um, and I, I thought he was excellent. He's seen him after the game, absolute buzzing. He was delighted up to see the fans. He got the ball. And now you, you see a, you see a player in there. You can see the reason why Rangers um, brought, it to the, uh, brought him to the club. Takes a bit of time to settle. New environment. He's probably no used to playing in front of this in, environment in terms of the crowd, 50,000. Mm. But I thought he was excellent yesterday and he thoroughly deserved his three goals and he thoroughly deserved the man of the match for me. He likes a goal against Motherwell, doesn't he? He scored, against, uh, scored at Ibrox uh, against Motherwell six weeks ago uh, and three of the six yesterday. And apart from that, it was against Real Madrid in the pre-season. So Real Madrid and Motherwell seems to be who he scores his goals um, against. Let's speak to Craig in Cumbernauld. Hi, Craig. Hi, Rob, Mark, Barry, cheers, I think, Nicole. Not, doing, not Craig, at all. What, what were you thinking of fashion yesterday? I, I, I thought he was superb. Um, you know, I think uh, we didn't get off to a great start by going behind, you know, which is, you know, probably the only thing we got wrong at the weekend because we, we do need to stop giving teams a head start in games because you just make life difficult for yourself. But I actually thought <clears throat> after that goal, we were in complete control. You know, Motherwell scored the goal and for some reason seemed to think they were going to sit back and defend for, you know, 80 plus minutes that were left in the game because they they visibly dropped very deep. I mean, there were times where you were counting nine Motherwell players, you know, in and around their 18-yard box. 
Um, so you know, once teams like that have got something to hold on, it makes it difficult. But I thought um, we were pressing really well. We were knocking at the door for a while. And then obviously, <clears throat> you know, a, a tremendous goal for James Tavernier, which, if I'm being honest, I think was every bit as good as Ronaldo's goal. Um, because it's an absolute screamer. And he actually salvages what is actually a really poor cross for Calvin Passy. Um, he certainly overhit it, but Tav watches it the whole way and it's it's absolutely brilliant. And then for there, we just never looked back, really. Cal- um, Calvin Bassey's probably trying to persuade everybody <laughs> that he picked Tavernier out with that, with that cross ball, which was beyond everybody. But what technique, Barry, to drill that into the bottom corner from, from of, on, a, on his 30th birthday as well, yep, James Tavernier? One of the hardest techniques um, to do. The ball's coming, travelling at a distance. It's coming in at a decent pace, um, but he's caught it flush. I mean, I think if, if Tav goes and, and tries that another 10 times, um, it goes all over the place, but he's caught it flush, great finish. Um, and I thought he deserved it. it. Look, he's come in for a wee bit of criticism, um, James Tavernier. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that when you're the captain of, of Rangers, um, but I think he handles it well. I thought, and, I th- I, sorry, I was just going to say, I thought I thought he did brilliantly on Wednesday against Aberdeen at Ibrox as well mm-hmm. he, because but I, then he I, steps up for the penalty ball but that's that, a bit that, of pressure that's, but, but yep. that's what I mean I, you know like you were saying mm-hmm. he was getting lots of stick in the game I was quite surprised, surprised at how much well. they were jumping on him and yet nine minutes to go mm-hmm. they need a they need the goal to get a point out of that game what a brilliant penalty he took it was and I'm surprised I bump into obviously fans when I'm out and about and, and they give him a bit of criticism what I think's over the top at times because I, I do really rate him like, I think the problem is he's got a young Scottish player behind him and mm-hmm. Nathan Patterson and maybe some fans want to mm. see Nathan Patterson come into the team and I totally get that I'm a massive fan of Nathan Patterson I think James Tavernier also brings a lot to the Rangers team now nine minutes to go last Wednesday no a brilliant performance he's got to get that in the back of the net and make it to each it's a lot of pressure on you sure. he goes and he handles that and then he goes yesterday where they got off not a great start but he comes up with equaliser that then kicks Rangers on. They get the second goal just before half time, and then I thought he was excellent in, in the second half. So I'm more surprised, and I'm sometimes a bit mystified why the the, the criticism he gets because I think he's a real good player, James Tavernier. It's been long standing the criticism from the Rangers supporters towards him. It's not just been since um, Nathan Patterson came on the scene has, yeah. has emerged. If you think yeah. back to just pre lockdown, and I think maybe a lot was to do with, with these program notes. Was it the night against Hamilton yeah. Ackies? Yeah. And listen, comments, I couldn't believe the comments that he made, but B, I couldn't believe actually that the Rangers match programmes actually, you know, printed them. You know, you've got to you've got to protect R- your remind players. Us, remind us what you said. Mark. said it, was, it was along the lines of basically we are struggling to handle the pressure. the pressure, you know, when our own supporters maybe get a wee bit edgy and, and, and teams camp in, you know, it was along those kind of lines, mm. but basically he shouldn't have been seen. now he might feel it and obviously he has felt it but you certainly don't print it in your own in-house um, magazine but that said I think he's been you know you tend to find that Rangers Celtic most clubs have a bit of whipping boys too, too, too strong a word too strong a phrase but somebody that that they'll quickly get on, get, get on his back and that seems to be the bit position like James, that James, bit like James Forrest at Celtic yeah, maybe yeah, which I also think has been very very unfair you look at the service he's given the club over the period of a decade now and, and, and what he's won he's been right, right he was right through the nine the Royer. again you take a step back in your sense James Tavernier he's a captain he's just turned 30 so he's got, he's got another four or five good years left in him whether that's at Rangers or not we, we don't know but um, 
for 300 grand or 400 grand what a what a bargain he's been and you look at him last season look at what he contributed to the Rangers last season he led the team the goals that he scored the assists that he had he's now chipped him another belter um, yesterday taking the the penalty the other night under pressure Uh, after missing a couple of penalties he's still Mm. going back up to take one so I think the criticism is very very unfair towards James Tavernier yes he's not perfect of course he's not if he was a perfect player he wouldn't be playing in Scotland he wouldn't be playing for Rangers he would be down the road he'd be in La Liga so you need to make allowances for every player in this country because they're not the finished article yep. and never will be that's why they're here but for, for James Tavernier to be singled out I think is really unfair yeah I'll go back to I think it was even before the programme notes as well um, there was a lot of criticism of his performances when, when Celtic were away in front but one thing that I it stood out for me and that I liked about James Tavernier. He always made himself available. It would have been easy to go and hide and say, oh, listen, maybe I've got a slight injury here. He always continued to put himself out there and play. And that deserves a lot of credit. That's the things that I look at. And he went through that. And I thought last year he was immense until he got injured. And obviously the emergency of Nathan Parson. I thought he was immense. He pulled Rangers out of some games last year, some great goals. Yeah. I mean, what was it, 20 plus goals? I yeah. think he scored as a right back and now I know a lot of them are penalties. But that's pressure in itself. You've got to stand up there and, yeah. and make sure they hit the back of the net. So sometimes I'm a wee bit, I, I'm surprised um, at the criticism he gets because I, I do think he's a very good player. He's a captain for a reason because the manager trusts him um, and he's obviously a leader of the group. He's a leader in the dressing room. He's a voice. Um, so, no, great finish. Go back to it. I thought it was an immense and I agree with Craig if that was a Premier League player down in England scoring that goal, it'd have been showed every five minutes in Sky Sports. So I also liked as well about yesterday, I don't know if you agree, agree, Craig, but see when the goal was scored and the pictures watching it in the telly, it wasn't about him, I've just scored a belt. It was, you, you ready? Come on, let's go again. Ah, uh-huh, let's go uh, back. He was getting the yeah. team back, you know, yeah. it was one eight, so there was loads of time, wasn't it? It was the last minute of the game, they need to go and push for a winner in the last minute. There was loads of time still to play. But you know, it wasn't yeah. about him taking the taking the, the headlines or, ho- or hogging it it was like okay job done go Viklags back to work let's get the game restarted again and I really liked that attitude about him yesterday Craig thanks for your call and it did have the feeling as Mark said earlier on of something of a turning point maybe for Rangers in terms of performance and it opened up that four point lead at the top of the Premiership that's an hour of football chat gone another hour still to come the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! Yeah, it was a weekend when Celtic missed that late penalty chance against Livingston. A goalless draw for Ange Postacoglu and his team. That was Saturday and then Sunday, yesterday at Farrow Park. Uh, Rangers running riot in the second half against Motherwell and uh, finishing winners by six goals to one. Fashion Sakala with three of them and that all adds up to a four-point lead for Rangers currently at the top of the Premiership. Yeah, maybe a trigger point, maybe a turning point, maybe a kickstart for Rangers. Uh, but there are still 26 games to go, uh, so maybe we we shouldn't get too carried away as yet. And as we've been saying on the show already, lots of twists and turns. It's a very competitive-looking league. More to come uh, in our chat about the, the club scene, the premiership situation. But of course, tomorrow, Stevie Clark names his squad 
for those two upcoming games, the last two qualifiers uh, on the road, hopefully to the World Cup for us. And if we can win in Moldova, then we are secure in a place in the playoffs. Uh, but we'll have to do so uh, without suspended Lyndon Dykes. What about the squad, though? Other aspects of the squad as well, Mark Guidi. Will we see Xander Clark back in it tomorrow, I wonder? I certainly hope so. Um, he deserved to be when he was left out of the the last squad for the the, the double header against uh, Israel and the Faroe Islands. I, I didn't agree with that decision. I, listen, I was all for John McLaughlin coming in, but what I thought, rather than leave somebody out, go with the fourth goalkeeper. You know, leave leave, leave him in. Let the new goalkeeping coach Chris Woods work with them again, assess and let them get a feel for it. I didn't think you had to exclude um, someone, and it was Xander Clark rather than. Liam Kelly get left out but I watched Xander Clark on Saturday um, and, it, and, it, and it brought back a, a memory maybe a couple of months ago with Paul we were discussing ever giving anybody a, a 10 out of 10 you know in the old Sunday Mail mm. star check we all used to be a, an esteemed columnist at the Sunday Mail <laughs> I remember for many years and I think there was only a couple of times um, doing the games that I'd given a 10 but I have to say if I was doing the match report on Sunday it would have been a real it would have been a real tempter to give Xander Clark um, a 10 out of 10 because he was flawless and had it not been for him Dundee United I think it was a couple of saves you would expect him to make but there was a couple that were proper proper top draw top draw world class Yeah I, I was surprised um, he wasn't included in the, the last squad and I'm sure if you asked Xander himself he would have been disappointed because um, I've got to be honest with you last season I'll go back away I know St Johnson won the cup double he was a massive part of that he was a massive player for them, and every time I watched St. Johnson, everybody went on about young Ali McCann and the back three, but he was a standout every time I watched St. Johnson. Uh, and I watched the highlights of the game against Dundee United, and I always go back and say, top goalkeepers, you've got to have a good goalkeeper or a top goalkeeper, whatever way you want to put it. They're worth 15, 18 points a season, and that's I think Xander won that game. I know it was a great finish for Ali Crawford, but some of the saves... The big Xander pulled off mm. against St. Johnson were, were top drawer and I think he deserves to be in it. Um, whether that's instead of uh, a John McLaughlin or whatever, but I agree with Mark. If you're going to go with the, the three goalkeepers, put a fourth in. I don't think it'll make um, much of a difference because uh, I fully, I think he fully deserves the chance to be back in, certainly with the, the performance, um, not just on Saturday, but overall this season as well. Yeah. It's another good, strong season. Stevie Clark's probably wishing uh, he'd just left him in it last time because because now it's a case of, yeah. unless he does pick an extra keeper, which I'm sure he's not going to do, it means um, elbowing somebody else out of the squad. Maybe last time he should have just, just left it as it was because there's real pressure, isn't there, on the back of the weekend? I mean, that's a sparkling performance from, from Xander Clark. Yeah. And, and it's it's going to be difficult to leave him out. Yeah, well, I think what Xander Clark's shown, in, um, particularly in the past four months, but right, back in last season when he was influential in St. Johnson winning the Cup double, but he's then taken it on to playing in European football against Galatasaray and against Lask. Big stage. He was brilliant. Again, three or four brilliant saves over the course of those European ties against Hearts last midweek one or two brilliant saves against a really good Hearts team so what he showed he's got that big game mentality okay yeah he doesn't play for Celtic he doesn't play for Rangers he doesn't play down the road but he can handle the big games now he's shown that he's proved that um, so um, I get it that Craig Gordon is absolutely the number one That's we can't dispute that and rightly so I get why he wanted to bring John McLaughlin um, back in, even though he, he's in and out of the Rangers team, he's kind of sharing the duties with Alan McGregor. 
although like I was saying with Kyogo earlier in the programme and as Barry said tonight as well and last week too I would go with Alan McGregor 100% now I wouldn't be putting him in and out of the team give Alan McGregor a rhythm because I think he's a goalkeeper that needs that um, as well and he is the undisputed number one um, at Ibrook so I would bring in Xander Clark I wouldn't necessarily leave anybody out but if you're then saying to me who are my three goalkeepers my three goalkeepers are Craig Gordon John McLaughlin Xander Clark and then Liam Kelly that would be my four in that order I want to see the four that are in there tomorrow mm. but if I was only going to be three then I'd have at this moment in time I'd have Xander Clark ahead of Liam Kelly he's matured didn't he for me an excellent goalkeeper yeah I always thought he was good but can he make that step I think last season was a massive season for St Johnson as a football club but for Xander as well because as I said he was a massive part of that and then he's continued it this season and watching the highlights against Dun United I think you, you heard Tam Court say it was he just won the games he, he won the game for St Johnson um, some of the saves were that good mm. so I hope I hope he gets the call um, but if you're asking my honest opinion I think Steve Clark will stick with what he went with the, the previous month we spoke at the top of the show about, about the striking department and the fact that uh, London Dykes is suspended. Um, you know, and, and you were saying Che Adams and yeah, absolutely. You know, Che Adams is surely going to play in this game. It, it's what Stevie Clark does alongside him or in behind him yeah. that, that maybe is the talking point. Um, as you said, two, two in his last two for Southampton, Che Adams is, 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 is back on track again in terms of goals. But in terms of, I just wonder if there'll be somebody in the squad uh, that hasn't been in it. A surprise. The, 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 yeah, a, a Tony Watt, a, a Ross Stewart, a, a, the return of Johnny Russell, um, potentially, Mark, what do you think? Eamon Brophy's another one. Yeah, Eamon Brophy's had a bit of form. Steve Clark knows Eamon Brophy well. Obviously had him at Kilmarnock and, and, and has, had included him for Scotland as well. Gave me Scotland debut. I think Eamon Brophy scored, uh, if memory serves me correctly, at Hamden. In, in he did. So, uh, yeah, all of those guys would be under consideration. Um, on form if you're talking about a surprise somebody outside the, the box I, I'd probably say Tony Watt would be the one for me but maybe because he knows Eamon Brophy um, he might just give Eamon Brophy the nod and he might not go with anybody he might just say I'm not going to bring somebody in mm. uh, for the sake of it it's only one game um, and he's got Nisbet there remember he, he can move Fraser around he can move Christie up he can move McGinn up so he's got different um options I don't know if it would work Barry you would know better than me bearing in mind that that, that, that the teammates at club level is there the chance for Armstrong and, and, and Adams to maybe do something together if need be at Moldova rather than bringing a, a sort of stranger into the setup. I don't know all will be revealed tomorrow but the good thing is there's there's options there to consider it's just a pity we don't have our best front two available because this is a game that, mm. that, that matters Robin it's it's a great shame that we've not got Lyndon Dykes but we need to go on with it mm. I, I would like to see an outsider get the chance just to go and sample what it's like being an international duty um, I, look I go back to Tony Watt everybody talks about him look there's no doubt Tony Watt always had the ability but it's getting that finding a club that su suited him because he was moving all over the place couldn't settle at a club I just think Muddle suits Tony Watt and I think his performances merit at least and we a shout to getting a call up. But I, I get Eamon Brophy, he's another player I've always liked. I liked Eamon Brophy when he was at Hamilton Ackies, obviously went to Kilmarnock. Surprised Kilmarnock actually let him go. But Jim Goodwin done a good bit of business in bringing him in. He's in good form as well. A couple of goals last week against Motherwell at Fir Park. Um, so if he's going to bring 
another striker and I think it will come down to they two Tony Watt or Eamon Brophy but he has got options um, he's got Christie he's got Ryan Fraser Stuart Armstrong didn't even think there him and obviously she Adams are a good connection because mm. they're at the same club um, but Ryan Christie's a, a, a stick on for me um, he's in good form at Bournemouth I think Bournemouth fans are, are going crazy about yeah, him enjoying him yep they're saying he's um, look we all know Ryan Christie for me he should be playing the Premier League in England that's how um, highly I rate him um, I would like to see somebody get a, a call up i.e. a Tony Watt but I don't know what will happen because he's got the options um, to go in behind um, Shea Adams which he's went with in the past he's went with Ryan Christie off a, a striker or uh, John McGinn I think he might go with a John McGinn and a Ryan Christie off a Shea Adams and have two mm-hmm. holding midfielders um, so he's got plenty of options but I would like to see a Tony Watt or a Eamon Brophy uh, get called Funny, squad. <clears throat> we've mentioned between us and yourself Rob we've mentioned five or six possibilities and it's just struck me one guy that we've not mentioned at all who's who's back kind of playing albeit he's, he's had a bit of controversy in the past few weeks Lee Griffiths yeah yeah, yeah we've not even mentioned him anymore as being a contender and he should be he should be at the forefront of Steve Clark's thoughts but, but he's not and that's another indication unfortunately it's not about his ability it's about other thing, and, and, and that's um, unfortunate because it was the one that we were thinking should he be part of the Euro squad yeah. you know less than six months ago and there he is he's got a move he's got out of Celtic he's playing more regularly than he has been uh, for a while I'll be, I think he was in the bench on Saturday was that right he didn't start mm-hmm. um, in Paisley but there's a guy I don't think he should be in it I don't think he's ready no. yet to get it but I'm just saying that they're a guy that's not even in their thoughts at the moment yeah and he's uh, for me when he's fitting on form, he's uh, the best goal scorer in Scotland, Lee Griffiths. Yeah, and uh, it might he's be not played enough yet. I don't no. think he's had enough mm-hmm. games and a runny games to to be in with a shout. Um, but listen, down the line, you never know if he gets that 10, 15, 20 games on the trot and he starts to score goals. Then surely he's got to come into the, the thoughts of Steve Clark. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, not not right now. I agree with you. There, there's no ways in the squad, but it could be a different story two or three months down the line if he does get some serious game time under his belt. And if he does get serious game time, the goals will come. There's no doubt about that. You, you would imagine they would. Bottom line is, Rob. I think there's a striking place up for grabs in the squad. You know, I think Dykes and Adams, two gimmies all day long, and rightly so. But if we qualify for the World Cup, if we're in a playoff, um, there's a place up for grabs. As far as I'm yeah. I mean, Nisbet's good. Tony Watt's good. Eamon Brophy's good. All these guys I mentioned are very good. But you wouldn't say they were stick-on. You wouldn't say they were certs. So no. for me, there is a place um, up for grabs for the next round of games, the playoff. Yeah, your point's a good one because uh, if he's back and firing, um, well, we've seen him, he's done it for so long at League Rivers, both for club and for country as well. And I think we would welcome him back. That Scotland squad uh, named tomorrow for the upcoming games in Moldova and at home to Denmark. That's a sellout, of course, at uh, Hamden. Let's get back to the, the Premiership weekend. That win yesterday for Rangers. They were a goal down just a few minutes away from half-time. And from there... Uh, a 6-1 victory and a four-point lead. Uh, it was comprehensive. It was really emphatic. I thought we played with real quality. Obviously, we got off to a, uh, another setback early on, um, but I thought we dealt with that and managed it really well. We showed great character to get ourselves back in a good place before half-time. And then I think we just went on, uh, and I think that's been coming. It's almost been in the post. We've been waiting for that performance for some time. 
I thought it was back to our identity and how we wanted to look for sure. Do you think it is a big turning point in the story of the season, Barry, that game yesterday? Yep, I mean, I, I listened to his interview and he says he was an inch away from being the perfect performance. Mm. I think he would have been absolutely livid with the goal that Rangers lost Rob um, Balligan. He's got to be touched tight. They've gave that goal away, um, but it's the reaction I think he'll be delighted with. Um, when I was watching the game, it's easy to start feeling sorry for yourself, but Rangers went, took the... Uh, took the centre and they just went for Motherwell. Uh, they were, as I said to you at the start of the show, it was waves of attack, they were creating chances and it was just a matter of time and once James Tavernier scored that goal and then quickly Sakala getting the header, it was a non-event in the second half. Rangers just absolute pummeled um, Motherwell um, and as I said, it could have been even more than the six goals that they scored um, and they'd be delighted with, as I said, um, Sakala. He struggled to score goals since he's come in. Hattrick, you're expecting him to kick on um, as well. But there was some really good performances. They look back to where everybody expects them to be. Um, the way that level of performance, that's something he'll be saying in the dressing room. It's OK doing it one game. Let's now go and do it until the winter break because this next two months can set you up. It's amazing, uh, Mark, how it all turned around that game because Barry's talking about a free header and then... Um, Mugabe was first to the rebound it was a great finish from him mm -hmm. but prior to that the actual concession of the corner was was a complete mix yeah. up between Tavernier and Goldson yeah. and, and when that happened and when the goal went in you thought right Rangers are behind again mm -hmm. here we go again yeah and, I, and I'm also thinking as well because of the high standards because I'm rating them so highly I was kind of thinking Alan McGregor should have been dealing with that uh, better low, low down his, his left hand side where he's kind of um, spilled it that's another reason why I think just play him now don't believe them out I know it's tough on John McLaughlin, but so be it. There's a title at stake. There's a League Cup semi-final at stake next week. There's places in Europe um, up for grabs. So give Alan McGregor a run in the team and um, don't be don't be generous to John McLaughlin. This is about Rangers and what's best um, for them. So yeah, it wasn't a great look. And you think, it was another sign. You're thinking, things aren't they right? Then all of a sudden, but for me, Sakala, yes, it was a brilliant finish from James Tavernier. But Sakala just provided that overall spark. I think he just, it brought a happiness to everybody around him that I don't really think we've seen with Rangers um, this season. Um, and he brought a happiness to the stands. I wasn't there last Wednesday night at Ibrox, but tell me, the, you know, Rangers 2-0 down, fans not happy, he's taking a, 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 a controversial penalty kick to get them a point, to get them back into the game. But Sakala, yesterday, I thought... We've been there a couple of times this season with Rangers in terms of is this a turning point? But I think yesterday will be. I think that will be uh, a turning point. And Sakala has now shown that he's got the ability um, and the commitment to go and make a, a serious contribution between now and uh, the winter break. Rob, there's, there's certain players that are far too important to be left out at, at teams. And I'll go with the two biggest teams, Rangers. I said it last week. Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor have got to play. You've got to wrap them in cotton wool and make sure you wheel them out every single game until the, the winter break. They've got to be made available. And then I look across the road at Celtic. For me, Kyogo and Callum McGregor in the same bracket mm. as Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor. These players are too important. And they're Joe Hart. Good. And Joe Hart. Yep. They're too good. They're too important. Because they might not be in top form, but what they bring is experience and know-how and that's what um, I was surprised last week when they left both Devo and, 
and Alan McGregor out and I said it in my column and I, I, we spoke about it on Friday night I don't think he'll do that again I don't think he'll leave the two out it was a it was a masterclass, wasn't it, from from Stephen Davis yesterday? He's just it's a, like that quiet authority that he's got in a game. It just makes a game. It's simple. But Barry, sorry to What lights in the dressing? What what light is Davo behind um, the scenes? He's a quiet, quiet assassin. He, <laughs> like, he'll not. He's not a ranter and raver like some is where we'd go around shouting and all that. But he, he speaks with authority. He knows the game. He's been about a long time. He's got brilliant experiences. You don't get what what is it, 130 caps or 127 international caps. Yeah. Um, look, we know he's not getting any younger, but he's so important. Look what he brought to that team yesterday. Nice and simple football brings a real calmness. He's a presence in the middle of the park. Um, he keeps the game ticking, and that that for me that's the engine room. That's the most important part of a team, and that's what Stephen Davis says. Because we can't rely on Ryan Jack just now. You've got to give him a bit of time. But Ryan Jack's the ideal re uh, replacement for Stephen Davis, but you've got to give Ryan Jack a couple of months to bed himself back in because he's been out a long time. One quick question for you before we go to the break. Will Stephen Gerrard's thinking have changed um, about up front in Copenhagen on Thursday? Would it have been Kemar Roof ahead of yesterday's game and will it now have to be Fashion Sakala that, that plays? Yeah, you, you've got to go with... with got to, listen, I'm sure Sakala, he'll, he'll be bubbly. He'll be desperate to play again. I think he'll. I think he'll go with him. Um, he might not play Morelos. He might go with Kemar Roof through the middle, which I think Kemar Roof through the middle is a better player. I know he's played in the wide areas. Um, you seen his goal? His goal was attacked. I mean, it was actually going in for Jack Simpson. But watch his movement. He just goes into an area where he thinks the ball's going to fall. That's clever. That's a that's a top striker for me. So. On Thursday night, I think you might see Kemar Ruth play through the middle. OK, we shall wait and see. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to be speaking with the former Celtic defender Ramon Vega, uh, talking about his old team Celtic, of course, with whom he won a treble inside six months. Uh, well, also one of his old teams, Tottenham, who today began the search for a new gaffer. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Cheers for that, Chris. Um, fun and games on the roads in and around Glasgow at the moment. Well, not much fun, actually, when you think about it. Um, as the Climate Change Summit continues. This is the Football Summit um, on a Monday between 5 and 7. Uh, the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre, Rob McLean, Barry Ferguson, Mark Guidi are here. And uh, joining the football chat, I'm happy to say, is the former Celtic defender, Ramon Vega. Hi, Ramon. Hello, guys. How are you doing this evening? We're all well. How are you? Not bad, not bad. I can see Glasgow is green. <laughs> Glasgow is You're green. Talking about green. <laughs> You're talking environmentally, <laughs> are you, rather than in a football sense? The, the, of course, it's the climate change. So, from I'm very happy. The climate change is a very, 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 very important topic, but also green Celtic. So, yeah. I'm well, very happy about it. Well, I might ask you your thoughts on climate change if we get the time, but we've got plenty to speak about apart from that, to be perfectly honest. We'll, we'll talk Celtic in a sec, but I'm interested um, in your thoughts on another of your old, old clubs, Tottenham, uh, who, who today uh, got rid of their gaffer, Nuno Espirito Santo. Four months and just 17 games he was in charge. I guess it had to happen, Ramon. 
Well, you know, I was going that direction, you know. It, it's funny because before Tottenham-Manchester United game, we would talk more about the manager of Manchester United to be most likely leaving and come to going to, to Manchester United. What us, us pretty much looks like is the opposite. Uh, Nuno left today, unfortunately. Um, not because I think he's a bad manager. I think he's a, a quality manager. He's proved that at Wolves as well. But I think he came to the right, to the wrong time, to the wrong club, to be honest with you. He has not been giving either the time to actually prove it and, and support. So, yeah, uh, I think um, so many issues within that club, uh, starting already over the summer period with Harry Kane completely disrespect the club by not wanting to stay at the club. That completely drifts the whole dressing room. And I've been in a dressing room and players want to leave. They're not, not, not putting their mind and spirit into the dressing room. And the players want to stay there. They don't really respect them either. And at the moment, Barry Ferguson, Harry Kane, it looks like it's his twin brother that's playing for Tottenham, yeah. not, not the real one. Yeah, I'm sure. Ramon will agree with me. I watched the game yesterday and it's the first time I've heard the Tottenham fans um, have a go at Harry Kane. He just doesn't look the same player. Listen, it's he wanted to leave. That, that was clear in the summer. He never got his move. But sometimes when you don't get your move, you need to buckle down and, and work hard and, and show that you you're still want to be part of the team. But for me, it looks as like Harry Kane's... He's not interested. Um and he, listen, he's a top player, there's no doubt about it, but it looks to me if he doesn't want to be at, at Spurs at this moment in time. It looks, Ramon, that it's going to be Antonio Conte. Is, it, would that, is that the right decision, do you think? Is that going to happen? Listen, the right or the wrong decision has never been appointing a manager. Listen, the manager's always the first and the last going coming out of the club because the one that always has all the pressure on the shoulders on a, on a team, you know. I think the key part to see here is the dressing room at Tottenham Hotspur is completely shambled. Uh, the players absolutely disrespect anything. They don't even have the mentality to win anything because some of the players actually wanted to leave, like Harry Kane in this case. And I'm actually kind of uh, disappointed because you think from the professional who is actually a captain of England as well on top of that, you should expect at least some professional aside there. Even you're disappointed, we know you want to leave, all of that. But for me, I can't call him at this point world-class player because world-class player is not just scoring, but also the attitude of the pitch as well. And in this case, he needs to either prove us that he is the world-class player and, and makes, uh, uh, be a teammate again. And that's one of the major, major, major points at the club. Conte, we know, there's no doubt he comes with a huge track record. He's a no-nonsense uh, manager. Maybe that's needed, I think, uh, in the dressing room. He might just say to Harry Kane, you might stay on next to me and watch the game a little bit until you'll wake up a little bit, what it actually means to be on the pitch. And I think maybe Conte is not the right, uh, the right uh, person to do that. What do you think, Mark? Oh, I was just going to ask Ramon, what, what do you do, Ramon, if you're taking over as manager? Just cut your losses and sell them in January. Sell Harry Kane in well, January. Just get the highest bid in and sell him. Well, I wouldn't sell it. I think if, if you don't sell it in the summer, why should you sell it in January in mid-season? Uh, you have a quality Because well, the, like the reason I asked Ramon is he's contributing nothing. As you say, he's not doing it on the well, part. His professionalism off the part looks as though it's leaving a bit to be desired. So if you're doing that and you're not getting the best out of him, why have him hanging around if, if, if he's been a negative influence on and off the park? Well, I might agree with you if it goes on like that until January. But we know for fact, 
to Harry Kern an extra score when he wakes up again. Now, if he doesn't do that within the next couple of months, then I agree with you. Take your losses and sell it because the guy is not with his mind here at Tottenham Hotspurs. There's no doubt whatsoever. But at the same time, he is a proven record for the last five seasons and definitely in the Premier League. He has now lost two, three months. He might not be there. Give him a chance of one month to now with a new manager. If he's not doing it and it's not picking up his scoring that record, then I'm agreeing with you. January market comes up. If somebody wants to buy, obviously, Spurs price, of course, in this case, then you have to sell it and buy some young potential uh, wanted to be at Tottenham and be uh, successful, you know. I agree with but at this point now, I won't just completely cut him off. I'll give him another chance now because he still has a good good chance to, to come back again. Mm-hmm. It seems that Antonio Conte has been spoken to by Daniel Levy. There's been a lot of chat going on already, obviously. Um, and it seems, Barry, as if uh, that is a happening thing at the moment. What do you think about Antonio Conte for Tottenham? Well, he doesn't mess about. That's for sure. If you, you speak to players who have played under him, I've listened to plenty of interviews. Um, if you ain't doing it on the pitch... Um, and you don't show a good attitude you don't play under uh, Conte and I think that's something that that Tottenham at this moment in time need a manager who's strong um, and players i.e. the captain of the club who let's be honest I think he's a world class striker but he's not proven that at this moment in time and what Raman just mentioned you might need to take him out of the team and I think uh, Conte is that type of manager that maybe take him out for two or three games and say look we need you but you need to start showing a good attitude. You need to get back to top form because uh, I need a, a top player in Harry Kane scoring goals for Tottenham. From Antonio Conte to Ange Postecoglou, Ramon, uh, what are you thinking about yes. uh, Celtic so far this season? Obviously a disappointing result at the weekend, but prior to that it was five straight wins, including uh, that uh, emphatic win against Ferenc Varos in the, in the Europa League. Are you seeing signs of progress? Well, definitely, without a doubt. If you look back a couple of months back where I thought we were going nowhere for Celtic at the time, uh, but also, you know, joining the top striker, like the Japanese striker, well, from my point of view, I knew from before he came up to Celtic that he was a fantastic signing and I knew he was a goal scorer, but that he actually had such an impact at Celtic right straight away, I was quite surprised to be honest here, because every kind of foreign player, whatever comes to a new team, it takes about three to four months or half a year to get into it. But these guys looks like yeah, he always played at Celtic and just scores for fun as well. And I think uh, the manager really starts to put together the mindsets and the new players starting to work together. Of course, it's a huge, still it's an improvement of defence from this point of view. Uh, especially on the part of the centre-meter player and the centre-half behind. But going forward, I think the dynamics starts to really melt together. And, and I think it's, it's good. Uh, I think they have a good chance to see if, uh, if they're still doing this continuity or winning week in, week out. I guess the regret among the Celtic fans at the moment is that Ange Postecoglou um, wasn't hired uh, quite a few months before he actually did... Uh, did become appointed in the job because obviously there was this 
fruitless chase for Eddie Howe, which which held Celtic back a big time. And obviously, by the time the Champions League qualifiers have, have come around, the start of the mm-hmm. season, um, Ange Postecoglou was already under major time pressure um, to, to make the sort of signings that, that, that would make... This is crazy. I'm just looking at the, the television screen, Ramon, at the moment. You're on that as well. You're on Sky Sports News at the moment. Ramon <laughs> Vega, Tottenham, 1997-2001. You are everywhere. You're looking well, big man. You're looking I, well. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. I don't want to bore you, you know, all the time. <laughs> so, no, it's, so, so I, I, guess, I, guess my, I guess my point there was, my, or my question there to you, Ramon, yeah. Ramon was, yeah. Should Celtic have done this long ago, decided he was the man and given him the time to actually get things sorted for all these big games? Well, this is a major question to board and I think uh, at that time even appointing the CEO, don't forget, uh, appointing a CEO and then 72 days later the CEO was gone. I think it's a similarity like a Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur actually was a shambles. Mourinho was sacked around the March area Nothing happened actually until June, July with Nuno. That's a waste of time because, you know, for a, for a manager coming in July and really just trying to grab the new, uh, new club potentially with the players he has on it, maybe it's the middle of the transfer period, it's a very, 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 very tough uh, job for a new manager coming into it, you know. And there's a similarity in, in mistakes both clubs done. And in this case, Celtic, the board definitely has to to be taken to accountable because that delay to not appointing a manager for a new season to such a late phase, including potentially the CEO as well, not giving a direction to the, such a big club, it's, it's, it's a huge mistake. That really, really shambles the players as well because the players wants to know as well where they're, where they're going, which direction it goes. If any player comes in with a new manager, he might think he might have to leave because the manager doesn't want him or he has, to look, he has to call his agent and, and, and leave, or he stays, you know. So that gives some certainty to the player, the club, the staff. It's not managed well, let's say it that way. I would say from a, from a professional point of view, running a club, I think these months were a huge mistake from the board, and that should take an account of that. Lucky enough, this manager is strong enough and has a character and put it slowly to a direction where we are going to positive way I would say in this case you know but he needs still more support and direction because I think what happened the last seven months I don't think she should be acceptable to run a club like that Yeah you, you used the word shambles about Tottenham would you use the same word for Celtic in terms of their efforts at appointing a replacement for Neil Lennon? Well I, I think it was similarities you know to be honest with you uh, because both were in a, in, in a similar situation and I think the shambles that's because it's not easy to appoint any manager like that. First of all, you need to have the correct manager to come to the club. And also, you need to have a vision which manager comes into with a strategy for the next minimum two to three years. Because that's not just the first team. First team is, is the lead to bring the good quality players into it, but all the way down, because you need to have the academy, the youth coming through the Celtic uh, as such. So you need to have a really good manager have that mindset because not all of them have that. Someone just wants to have the first team and they don't care about the academy. So to choose that, you need to make sure you have a very good scouting system with the manager point of view and the ones are free to come on uh, on board. And that's a very difficult task as well. But at the same time, they have time to do that, to be honest. 
Right, so you've been on the radio, you've been on Sky Sports News. Um, I'm half expecting if I switch on the, the actual news programme tonight, we'll be get, hearing your thoughts on climate change. Are we likely to see you on uh, News at 10 tonight here? I couldn't hear you. No, I'm just saying, I would likely to see you on News at 10 tonight as well, because you seem to be everywhere else at the moment. You're on every media outlet. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, including you, by the way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, listen, uh, I think it's just because we've talked to them today, and uh, obviously, you and you have been parting away as such for the club as well. And, and, and I just have my, my views and opinion about it, of course, you know. And I think these are the two clubs are always been in my heart and I played for them and I won for them something. Why should you not say something about it if something uh, uh, comes, uh, it's, it's important for you as well, you know? Uh, Ramon, can I just ask you, you know, maybe when um, Dominic Mackay, the Celtic Chief Executive, um, parted yeah. company with the club maybe six, seven weeks ago, whatever it was, yeah. Um, yeah. your name was, was linked with it. I think you gave an interview to a newspaper saying that there would be interest uh, of you that position yeah. given your experience and yeah. that's the kind of way that you see your future being. Um, just two questions on that. A, did you ever formally apply and B, if you did, did you ever hear anything back from the club? I have not formally applied. Yep. Because um, in, in these things, uh, you don't formally apply. As you might potentially or not know. But I have uh, been asked and potentially thought, thinking about it, to do something uh, that direction. Okay. That was definitely uh, 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 there. And there's no doubt, you know, if Celtic uh, calls, there's not a question mark I would not think about it because it's definitely a club I love and, and it's something uh, 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 will be done if it's requested and it's been asked to. Okay. Ramon, good to talk to you. All right, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Evening. Take care. Thanks, Ramon. Go. All the best. Bye. Bye. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat, and more. Let's go. Good to have Ramon Vega on the the show. Never short of something to say. Talking Celtic. Uh, and talking Tottenham as well, and it seems as if Antonio Conte uh, is very much being lined up uh, to take over from Nuno Espirito Santo, who was sacked today. I see big Ramon. He'd be, he'd be great, he's always good for that alliance. He'll be, he'll be good once he comes out of his shell, won't he? <laughs> absolutely. Once he gets over the shyness, uh, he's going to be absolutely fine. Um, so we're talking English football there, but Tottenham and the, the search for a new manager, which I don't think is going to be a long search uh, by the sounds of it. What about West Ham, Barry? What about Davy Moyes? 4-1 they won yesterday at Villa. They're in the top four in the Premier League. Yeah, we were speaking off air just before the, the show started tonight and w- what a job. What a job he's done. Um, real good job last year, but they've, they've kicked on. Uh, again, um, some real good players, and he's not spent an absolute fortune, uh, Rob. When you look at the clubs down there, they go and spend 30, 40 million pounds on players. He's went to certain markets. Um, I think it was a Czech market he went in and mm-hmm. he signed a, a couple of players, and not for big money. I know still a lot of money, eight, nine million pounds, but um, it just shows you that he, he, he can identify a player. Um, and he's got the boy, I've heard quite a few pundits speak about Declan Rice mm. I think he can go right to the top Declan Rice I really like him um, he does uh, again just what all central midfielders for me should do keep the game simple um, but he's now turning into a top midfielder Declan Rice but I, I like enjoy watching West Ham yeah. um, 
real attack-minded team. When they need to defend, they can defend. Obviously, Moyes was an ex-defender. He knows how to set teams up. But he's got a proper team there. Um, and don't be surprised if they break into the top four. Yeah, well, they're in the top. I know they're in the end of the season. Football to be played. I look at them and I think they could be a surprise package. Um, They're no surprise to me because I look at the players he's got and I I think he's got top players. Mikel Antonio up front. Yeah, yeah, just an absolute beastie, a a centre forward. I mean, he was a a right back or a wing back um, a few years ago. He's a top centre forward now that that scores goals and he's he's an absolute, must be an absolute nightmare to play against. Um, But. I just look through his squad and his team, play real good football, know how to score goals, can create a number of chances, but also know how to defend. So I think they could be a surprise package in terms of breaking into that top four. That's how good I think West Ham are at this moment in time. We like celebrating our Scottish football exports, yeah. and he's certainly one, Mark, isn't he? Ah, he's, he's been brilliant. You know, you think back to his career at press and taking over from, from Walter Smith. Walter was instrumental in uh, getting them uh, appointed. Um, at Everton he took over from Walter um, and he's been brilliant um, you know you, you look at his CV um, I think he's coming up to his handful of games now away from a thousand games that's right um, and Charles yeah. is, a, is a manager which is a hell of a achievement he's only what 55, 56 um, he's recovered from the setback of Man United and that hit him hard that hit him really really hard and, and, and no wonder the way he was treated there um, by some of the players and the hierarchy was absolutely appalling he was hung out to dry um, but he's recovered and Celtic missed a trick by not appointing him a couple of years ago um, Rob when he was out of work um, Celtic missed a trick yeah. they, they, do you think he would have oh, I would have yeah absolutely yep. yeah, a couple of years ago when he was out of work now now you you, you, you wouldn't no. get near it you know it's, if, if he's willing when, you know, when he's maybe winding down the Scotland job or, or company working mm. in, in Scotland but if anything um I wouldn't be surprised if, it, like, okay, Conti's a great appointment for Spurs, like a Spurs or a Newcastle or somebody would go mm. for someone like David Moyes. Why not? The way you get him to leave West Ham or not, I don't know. But apart from what Barry says, he doesn't spend a lot of money either. He's very careful. But I think one of his biggest strengths, in particular, what he's managed to do at West Ham, is what he gets out of his own backroom staff. He's great at managing his staff, how he delegates, how he identifies his strengths and weaknesses in his staff, and then implements that in the day to day workings of the club. So, for example, um, bringing back Stuart Pearce, brilliant to have about the place. Billy McKinley brought him back in a couple of months ago. Trust him, knows it was good bit of fun as well. Serious about his work, but he's a good bit of fun. Paul Nevin, who stands beside him every time the technical area is now promoted to part of the, the England setup as well. Paul Nevin's uh, terrific. He's had Alan Irvin for a long, long time. Still got Alan doing a bit of work um, for him as well. And Kevin Nolan, who can relate to the players, got the West Ham connection as well yeah. so he's very very clever Rob in what he does with his staff and that's a big big skill as well if you get good staff around you and you can delegate and they can take instructions from you it makes your life easier because as Barry knows as a manager you've got a thousand and one things to do every day so you need good staff around you and when you see that good staff around you that transcends itself to the players as well into the dressing room see you go back and look at his career like, like for, I'll, I'll take for example Everton they were just a strong unit they were strong defensively but now you look at the West Ham team I love watching them they're a real good football team they're hitting the counter attack they've got pace they've got strength but mixed in with that they've got ability um, and he's built a he's built a proper team there um, and fair play to the West Ham board they've backed him but in terms of the money you go in there, you probably look at the money that 
all the Premier League teams have spent, I think they'd be down the bottom yeah. in terms of what he's actually spent to bring players in. And he knows the markets and he knows players. And listen, he, he's a top manager. And I think one day you will see him up here. I think you'll see him. I think he would like to take, obviously, the Celtic job, but I think he would like to be the, the national manager mm. as well. Um, but it's brilliant seeing Scottish managers do well. As, as Martin had mentioned, he had a tough time at Man United. I think he went over to Spain. Yep, we never, that. Yeah. never quite worked out over there as well um, but listen he's, he's turned West Ham into a, a proper football team who I think are going to they're not going to win the Premier League I'm, I'm not daft enough to, to say they'll win the Premier League but they'll challenge to get in that they'll definitely be top six I think they might break into that top four yeah, taking over from Fergie was always going to be a bit of a challenge, wasn't it, at Old Trafford? Uh, but what a job Davy Moyes has done. Preston Everton, now West Ham, and as Barney says, if they can finish where they are at the moment, which is in the top four of the English Premier League, then that would be absolutely incredible. Let's spend the last few minutes just talk, coming back to the Premiership weekend. Uh, Motherwell 1, Rangers 6, Celtic nil, Livingston nil, Dundee United nil, St Johnston 1, uh, the Xander Clark show. Uh, St Mirren nil, Dundee one big wi- a big win for Jim- James McPake and his team Aberdeen two hearts one on the back of ten games without a win it's now seven points out of nine for Aberdeen and nephew Lewis headed in the winner of Barry at the weekend well, well worked set piece I quite like um, watching teams who clearly work on it and Stephen Glass clearly works on that in the training Scott Brown been a blocker Lewis gets free and he, he pops up with a uh, a great finish I've got to say a great header um, and now Aberdeen are starting to to march on a bit um, a couple of weeks ago people were calling for his head and obviously the chairman comes out and backs him um, but they, they should be winning games of football Rob you look at Aberdeen's team mm. you look at the squad he has been backed um, it, it's not been good enough at the start of the season but now they're starting to, to get a rhythm and it's another big result because hearts have been flying this season and I think you can see the the pressure lifting off the shoulders. You can almost see it physically lifting off the shoulders uh, of the shoulders of yeah. of, of Stephen Glass uh, yeah. on the back of that horrendous run when he was yeah. almost aging week to week, and yeah. and that's taken years off him. And and now Aberdeen, they've got Motherwell at home this weekend. If they can make it ten points out of twelve, then they're climbing back to where they should be. Yeah, you know, you could tell it was getting to, and, and no wonder. You know, he was he was under the microscope. Aberdeen fans, not happy, and media giving him it. Um, as well prickly in interviews um, too once or twice you, you could see he was answering questions the way he wouldn't normally answer questions which which is understandable as well um, to a point but he's got to do it again on Saturday bro if they if they lose on yeah. Saturday the question marks will return and that's the last thing Stephen Glass needs getting into an international break so they've got to show that they can put six, seven, eight games together as I mentioned away at the top of the programme, every club outside of Celtic and Rangers will at some point go four, five, six, seven games and only pick up two or three points. Aberdeen have had that spell. More than that spell, 10 games without a one. Um, but you look at where they are in the league and it's decent. It's actually decent, but you got to win on Saturday. If Aberdeen won on Saturday, and I think they will, that gives them what a brilliant feeling that gives them for the next six weeks block of fixtures between now and in the winter break yeah, I'm just looking here obviously I knew they starting 11 real good quality but you mm. look at the bench mm. you've got Niall McGinn Johnny Hayes Matty Longstaff and Jet that, that, yeah. that's strong um, so there's real competition for places and then you go into the obviously Hedges I really like obviously my, my young nephew you've got obviously Scott Brown McCrory Dylan McGeoch is, is playing starting a part to come at the back in, as well, he, yeah. he looked if he was on the way out mm-hmm. um, at the end of the transfer window but he's fought his way in Dylan McGeoch listen 
he's a good footballer Dylan McGeoch um, I don't think he's he's hit the heights that he should but now he's broke back into the team uh, and you know what you get for Dylan he can keep the ball he can pass the ball he's a good footballer um, as I said you, you look at that that 18 it's a strong 18 they've got sure as the big winners of the weekend were Rangers of course 6-1 at Motherwell yesterday and uh, as far as the gaffer goes much more like it yeah well listen you've got to have belief and, and trust in your players um, you've always got to be honest with them and I I want to be as honest as I can and at times we haven't been ourselves there's always been something missing or an ingredient missing but today's all about the players the players have gone out and performed ever so well there's a saying in life inch perfect I thought we were inch an inch away from being perfect today I thought all round we were superb and it did look Mark didn't it like the Rangers team of last season yeah yeah there, there was a buzz and a spark about Rangers they looked like a happy team there was lots of smiles and that made its way onto the, the, the stands as well at Fur Party yesterday. So all round a really good day for Rangers but they too need to keep that kicking on into Thursday night over in uh, over in Denmark. Yeah, springboard towards uh, Copenhagen, uh, Bronby Thursday night and surely Fashion Sakala has to keep his place Barry up front. Yeah, I, I would fully expect Sakala to keep his place obviously getting a hat-trick um, and I says in this Europa group stage these are the games that Rangers should be winning. Um, and I fully expect him to go over to, to Bromby on Thursday night and come back with the three points uh, Three points for Celtic and Rangers this week Mark every chance you would hope uh, A big ask but yeah why not these are the kind of games that they've got to be winning if they want to be serious about Europe mm-hmm. they, both, yep. they both won uh, emphatically uh, first time around but in the home games and uh, let's hope Celtic can win in Budapest that's the second game on Thursday it's a double header Europa League uh, the early game is Bromby against Rangers let's hope that uh, both of them put another three points on the board and reactivate their chances not just of having European football beyond Christmas but that that's in the Europa League rather than the conference thanks Barry thanks a lot thanks to Mark as thanks, well thanks to you lot for listening we're back tomorrow as usual live at five the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.